Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. I am your host and personal safety expert, Pete Canavan. I have over 25 years of personal safety and security experience as my role as the host of the show. Uh, today's guest is sure to produce a popular episode. Uh, he's someone who shares my passion for safety in both the digital world and the physical world. Uh, he's a security expert and private investigator who's fiercely committed to informing, educating, and empowering people so they can protect themselves and their loved ones from violence and crime in uh, their everyday lives, both in their physical interactions with people and their virtual interactions with people. And this is something that I am passionate about and do as well, and it's going to be a really informative episode here today. So uh, Robert Siciliano is the number one best-selling author of, and uh, he's CEO of a company called Safer.me, S-A-F-R.me. And he's also the architect of the CSI Protection Certification, which is a cyber, social, and identity protection security awareness training program. It's a mouthful. Uh, so it's my pleasure to welcome Mr. Robert Siciliano to Safety Talk. Welcome, Robert. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Pete. So glad you're here because, you know, improving safety and security is what we are all about here at Safety Talk. And, uh, now, one of the things that I ask my guests to do is to sort of summarize everything that they do into sort of one sentence that is, a, you know, that describes the problem that they solve in the world. And it's, and it's sort of, it's a big thing because, you know, someone like yourself, you do a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of the other guests we have on, you know, they may have a lot of different products that their company has, but it's a heavy question and it really requires, you know, that, that you summarize what it is that you do in a compact way. And in your case, you wrote that you work with both private and public businesses and you teach clients how to keep their money, their privacy, and their data secure, which is awesome against acts of fraud, identity theft, uh, corporate espionage, and purposeful or accidental exposure of private information. All, of course, yeah. things that cost companies you know, billions of dollars nationwide and worldwide, of course. So I really love that statement and want to kind of get your thoughts on that uh, before we dive in with some specifics here. Yeah, well, certainly uh, we know that, um, you know, bad guys are uh, looking for their victims 24-7, 365. And most of the general public, you know, moms and dads, soccer moms, NASCAR dads, uh, families, you know, they're relatively clueless when it comes to this stuff. They don't really have any formal training when it comes to protecting their home or, you know, if they're all medium, large business or even protecting their business. And it's only when... Uh, someone has uh, a small business or, or, or a large corporation to protect that they are actually engaged in any type of security awareness training. And so what I do is, is I provide that security awareness training to basically anybody that will listen to me. And it's usually those that have something to lose, like, you know, corporations that um, hire me to come in and do, you know, one to two hour keynotes or say the real estate industry, uh, continuing education training. Um, I provide them with all the fundamentals so that um, if a bad guy was to choose them as their next victim, which really that's happening all day, every day, that they'd know what their options are. They'd know how to protect themselves. They'd know what links to click or not to click. They'd know how to you know, look uh, to the right and to the left and knowing what's going on behind them when they're walking down the street. So I give them you know, everything from protecting themselves in the physical to virtual world. 
so that going forward, they are a tougher target. And that's really all you can do. I mean, bad guys are always been, are, and always will be looking for the next victim. And all you can do is become a tougher target so they don't select you. And that really boils down to, you know, taking responsibility and recognizing risk and knowing how to avoid and remove yourself from a dangerous situation, whether it's online or in the physical world. Absolutely. And, and it's stated so well. And what I found as well, and I'm sure you have, is that a lot of people think, you know, maybe like a small business owner, for example, you know, well, you know, I only have a small company. I'm only doing whatever, half a million dollars a year in business. And, uh, you know, so why would somebody want to target me? You know, I'm not worth their time. But they don't understand necessarily that there are these automated systems that just look for vulnerabilities in networks and they don't have any necessary, uh, you know, they're not necessarily targeting you specifically, but they are using automated systems to go out and find vulnerabilities. And so if your system at your particular business does not have the latest updates, the latest patches, the a hardened firewall, a properly configured, you know, network setup, or does not using VPNs properly or whatever, if a hacker, an automated system finds that, it's going to flag it then it's going to go to you know whoever's you know monitoring it and say hey i you know we we have a system here that has a vulnerability and now they can do something like you know plant ransomware and uh, and take it to the next level so even in your you know somebody has a small business it could be completely detrimental and even put you out of business if you don't have a solid backup of your data and a ransomware attack gets in there encrypts everything and now you know they drop a note on the desktop that says you know you got to pay us 20 grand to get your your data back well, that could be something that puts that company out of business if they don't have the policies, the procedures, the systems, the backups in place that are going to protect them. And so the awareness part of it is so key and something that people need to understand. It could be an individual, you know, identity theft. Identity theft is something that you, you talk about a lot. And mm -hmm. it's something that every single one of us has to be careful of. And we have to, as you said, be careful about what we're putting out there. We have to look around us. We have to be aware of, of what's possible from someone who is looking to do us harm, whether specifically by targeting the individual or just by going out and sort of shotgunning the approach and finding a way in. And now it's like, oh, I got into this person's account. Maybe they use the same password over here. Oh, haha, they did. And now you're in this account and this account and uh, money gets drained, I, you know, and lives are ruined. And that's something that we, we're trying to stop and prevent from happening, right? Without a doubt. You know, in, in, when, you, when you began that, you, you said, you know, you talked to various businesses and individuals, and the first thing they say is, you know, why would they target me, right? And that fundamentally is two different things. Number one, it's uh, they're invoking on their own the failure of imagination. And, and that, that is a, a security axiom. You know, the 9-11 the Commission, invoked the failure of imagination that, that we as a, as a government, as a, as a, as a country, we didn't imagine that 9-11 could happen. And, and of course it did. I mean, there were some out there that had said, you know, it, it is just a matter of time until something happens, but nobody wanted to believe it. And, and because of that failure of imagination, we essentially function in a state of denial, right? And right. knowing that things can and often do happen. And you see it on its most basic level all the time. For example, if you're watching the six o'clock news and they talk about a home invasion, they talk about um, some type of a local tragedy and they begin to interview the neighbors. 
and the neighbors are interviewed by the journalist or the, the producer or whoever, and what's the first thing that they say? They say, well, you just didn't think it was going to happen around here. Well, well how do you not? it's going to happen around here it always happens it happens everywhere and that's always the first thing that people say because they don't want to think it can happen around here it's not that they don't think it it's because they don't want to think it and maybe they just didn't imagine it and it's when too painful we, i think for what happens is it's too painful for people because they feel overwhelmed it's like well you know why would somebody target me maybe they will target me but what can i do about it and they kind of leave yeah. it at that yeah, and it's much more comfortable to not think about it, and it's much more comfortable to function in that state of denial, to put it completely out of your mind, and say, and we, and this is, you know, a, a fundamental, is that it can't happen to me. And when when people, you know, think in those terms, they are setting themselves up to be the bad guy's next victim, and that's just not okay. First and foremost, recognize it can happen to me. It does happen around here, whether that's identity, your data, your, your you know, company's information, your home. And when you think that, yes, it can happen to me, and, and then you put systems in place, you do the necessary steps, you know, perform the necessary steps to make sure it doesn't, again, becoming a tougher target, you reduce that risk. And, you know, the bad guys are going to, somebody, like I said, they're just not going to go after you. Or if they do go after you, they uh, approach, you know, too many layers of protection. Therefore, you know, you divert them, they go after somebody else. And every single victim always says the same thing. I never thought it would happen to me. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so true. And it's because people don't think it's going to happen to them until it does. And every single victim says the same thing. So like in my martial arts training with my, my students, I tell them that we're training not if something happens. We're training you for when something happens. And that simple little shift in mindset from an if to a when makes it more concrete and it makes it more real. And the yeah. same thing has to be done in all sorts of training, like in the cybersecurity realm or in identity theft or in data loss or anything. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And it's sort of become such a cliche. But when you look at it through that lens of knowing that it will happen, it's going to happen, and you need to be prepared for it when it does. And it changes the mindset. And it lets people, I think... Uh, it's, it lets them digest it a little bit. Uh, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, right? So it, it allows them to digest a little bit more easily, even if it is a little bit more uncomfortable. And and that's really what it is. People are caught up in their lives. You know, you're dealing with your kids running around. You're worrying about your job. You're worrying about bills. You're worrying about holidays. You're worrying about whatever the next thing is, right? And it's like, well, I don't have time to think about, like, is my data secure? Are all my accounts good? Uh, do I have everything backed up that I need properly in my business? You know, we all have a million things that distract us on a daily basis. But if we don't make the time to be proactive in mm -hmm. protecting ourselves and taking that personal responsibility, like you said, right, Robert? It's all about personal responsibility because right. no one's going to protect you but you, right? Unless you've got a bodyguard. In which case, they're not going to be there all the time anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, there could right, be certain right. times they won't. So we have to be, be personally responsible. And it's, um, it's something that it's so much easier to deny it and to ignore it until it happens, and then it's too late. And, and our job is to let people know it's not too late. You can start learning today some of the things that you need to do, and you start out by assessing what those risks are to you personally, right? If you're a business owner or if you're an individual or anybody in between, 
you know, what is it that you're most concerned with? What is the, the greatest likelihood of something happening to you? Is it that you're going to be robbed? Is it going to be a home invasion? Is it, you know, something with a business that you're in or whatnot? So like looking at those risks and then sort of, you know, ticking them off. It's like, okay, have I done this? Yes. Great. Have I done this? No. Well, to get it on the list and figure out what those priorities are. Yeah, so and it, do, it fundamentally it fundamentally does boil down to personal responsibility, right? You and I know that. Uh, and, and then and then once you start, you know, talking about all these various risks, right? Uh, and people say, well, I don't I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be paranoid, right? And 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 that's the funniest thing to me because if you understand what paranoia actually is, and if you've ever actually met somebody who's paranoid, like that's that's a disease, right? Mm-hmm. They are mentally ill. And security is the complete opposite of being paranoid. Security is about being in control, whereas paranoia is out of control. Right. And so once you, once people like you and I, you know, provide this level of perspective, and, and we kind of slow down and back up a little bit and say, and just so you know, like the chances of something bad happening to you are actually really slim. You know, there's a slim chance that these things can happen to you, but there's a chance. And so the same way and the same reason why you put your seatbelt on is because you know there is a chance that these things can happen. You put your seatbelt on just to, you know, be smart, to be safe. And you're not being paranoid when you put your seatbelt on, you're being smart. And, it, and being smart is locking your doors, installing a home security system, investing in identity theft protection, uh, engaging in a credit freeze, you know, understanding the fundamentals of information security and personal protection. Once you engage in, in these basic philosophies, these basic you know, steps, uh, you, again, you reduce that risk. You don't have to worry about these things because now you've put these various systems in place. And Benjamin Franklin once said that to be safe, is never to be secure. And what that basically means is like, you always have to be on your toes. You always have to be aware. You can't think, okay, well, I am 100% safe. I have nothing to be concerned about. Therefore, we are cool. Well, yeah, you know, sir, sure, yeah, but no. You really have to be on your toes, but that does not mean being paranoid. It does not mean that your head's on a swivel. It means that you are aware of your environment. You are aware of these various risks. You're doing the, the, the basic things to protect yourself, your business, your family, and so forth. And that, you know, you have become a tougher target. And it's, it's all about preparation because when you're prepared and you know what to do in a bad situation, guess what? There's no more fear. There's no more uncertainty. In fact, the exact opposite holds true, right? You gain confidence because if there is a problem, you, you're like, for example, a cybersecurity program for a business. If you are hacked, okay, you will be hacked, chances are. In fact, a lot of businesses are and they don't even know it. So if that happens, when that happens, right, uh, you have those procedures in place and so you know. So you can sort of rest easier knowing that when there's an event, you've already mapped out the procedures and the plans to deal with that. So it allows you to have the exact opposite effect on yourself and your business, your employees, et cetera, because people know there's a plan in place, right? It's no different than a fire drill or an evacuation or being prepared with wearing a seatbelt or having car insurance in case you get in an accident. These are things that we do to make sure that we know we have a plan in place for when the unthinkable happens, right? And that could be a very bad physical altercation. It could be a very bad digital problem. But if you know what to do, the fear goes away, right? Because we know what fear stands for, right? False evidence appearing real. That's all it is. And when you take the fear away and you take the uncertainty away and you have awareness and a plan and you're prepared 
And you can't be prepared, you know, that, like one of my phrases is the time to prepare is before the need arises. Proactive. Yeah. You have and, to be and, proactive. And as an expert in personal security, right, you, know, you, you teach people how to prevent assault, right? Uh, and, and, and once a person understands how to physically debilitate once you understand your own personal power and how if you were attacked from behind or the side or an attacker came up front, you go for the eyes, the throat, the groin, and you know how to physically facilitate another human being. You know how to be offensive, right, if necessary. Every other decision in life from that point on becomes, you know, relatively simple. You gain an amount of perspective by understanding what your personal power is and how to physically debilitate another it does definitely give you a head heads up on everybody else going forward sure and that level of confidence exudes and is picked up by other people in other areas of your life so it ends up yeah. actually improving your standing in your business among your peers and your friends because you're somebody that has the confidence that knows they can handle themselves if there's a problem and it's interesting because, I mean, that it, it happens to me sometimes where I'll walk in a room and people are like, you look like you, you can handle yourself. And I'm like, I do. I, I don't even know what I'm doing, but okay, <laughs> you know, because it's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude, but it's, it also comes from the preparation, right? And, and that only comes with practice and with learning things. So uh, good stuff. I want to ask you a question. What, um, now a few questions, obviously, but how did you personally get started in this industry in the personal safety and protection industry yeah so for me you know as a kid right uh you know i was uh, 12 years old right and uh, my dad uh, let my brother and i head into downtown boston to do some shopping right and my brother was like six or seven at the time and we got in the train like back then you know this is what 38 years ago whatever uh you could do stuff like that mm -hmm. and um uh, you know, he let us go on the train into Boston. We get off the train. We're in downtown crossing and immediately five kids surrounded us. And there were five kids who were older than us and bigger than us. And they demanded that I give them my money. I was not prepared for that at all. So I refused. Right. And, you know, normally I'd tell people just throw the money in one direction, run screaming in the other. Right. But I refused and they proceeded to take my money from me. And they did it by, you know, beating me down on the ground and going through my pockets. And I made a mess of my literally. And, uh, we ended up having, I get back in the train, go home and I'm all beaten and bloody and bruised. And my father sees me. And, you know, he obviously had not prepared us for that at that point and, and sat us down and taught us about predators and their prey. Right. He explained to us like watching the wild world of animals and you see the, the lions in the plains of the Serengeti and they'd be stalking the antelope or the gazelles. And my father would say that those lions are, are predators and the gazelles natural prey. And today, you know, those boys were the lions and you were the gazelle. And so going forward, you know, you need to recognize that there's always going to be predators stalking their prey and you need to know how to defend yourself. And so I began to see the world very different from that point on, you know, being a victim of a multiple attack situation can certainly do that to you. Right. Sure. But I didn't, I didn't consider myself a victim. I just, you know, started to understand predators and prey. And within about a year or so after that, I was in summer camp and I was, you know, 13 years old at the time. And I met a girl, she was 12. And, and one day after camp, you know, we were kind of holding hands and she liked me. I liked her. And I didn't really know about sex or anything like that. Cause this is, you know, we're talking 37 or so years ago. And, uh, she confided in me. She said, I just think you should know that my mother's boyfriend raped me. Okay. 
And I and I, I didn't quite understand what that meant, but I felt her pain based on the way she explained it to me, or, or just based on what she was saying to me. And you know, I, I just I went home after that, and and I said to my dad, you know, what is rape? Because I didn't even talking about it. I just knew it wasn't good based on how she explained what, what she said. And my dad began to explain the birds and the bees and forcible rape in the exact same conversation and then went back to the predators and their prey and the gazelles and the you know the lions and, and that began to make sense to me. And so I started to see the world very, very different than kids my age. And so from that point on, I began to teach all those around me about, you know, bad guys. And, and sexual assault and what to do and how to protect yourself and what to be aware of. And I used to buy pepper sprays and I used to give them away to all the girls that I would meet and say, you need this stuff and here's why. And so that became a, a, a passion for me very early on. And so, so from that point on, I started to you know take martial arts and teach martial arts and eventually got into personal bodyguarding and things like barroom bouncing. And by the age of 25, I had written a book on the topic and I started to speak professionally on it. In, in like 1995 or 1996, I started to take a kind of American Express, you know, like merchant status via my mm -hmm. small business for all the various products we sold. And I got hacked. I got hacked in the mid 90s. Wow. And that was a brand new thing for me. Like, I didn't know you could steal like that. You know, I don't know if anybody did at that point. And so I started to, to learn more about black hat hacking and fraud and credit card fraud and scams. And you know, as a result of, again, being a victim of, of a crime. And by you know 2001, I had written another book and talking about fraud and personal security as it relates to identity theft, which was which was not on anybody's radar at the you know at least not in the media or the general public. I mean, there had been a couple of laws passed. We had the Identity Theft Resource Center in in San Diego talking about it, the uh, and a few others, but it wasn't a huge huge thing at that point. And here we are, you know, we're two, 2020. I've been talking about this stuff now for 25 years, and and. Personal security to me is violence and prevention, both in the physical and virtual world. And my focus from, you know, talking about, uh, you know, women's self-defense and my own self-defense to my small business being hacked has just all evolved with, you know, the times. And here we are today. Uh, and, you know, back in the day, it would, it would make national news if 600,000 records were stolen out of the University of California today. That doesn't even make news. You know, it's going to take billions and billions of records being stolen, you know, because of, uh, you know, criminal hackers. And, uh, you know, that's my story. And, and today, you know, there's just no shortage of fraud or theft or violence. Just last night, all of our phones in my home all alerted us to an Amber Alert, you know, of an mm -hmm. 11-year-old girl in Western Massachusetts being stolen off the street. Fortunately, wow. they found the guy. But, uh, you know, my daughters are all freaked out. My wife is all freaked out. And that's the world we live in today. It's a very scary world. And even like you learned from a young age, you know, 12 years old, I, was, I have a similar story. Actually, it's pretty funny. Um, but, you know, learning about it from a young age, it sort of hardened you to the world around you. And your dad sounds like you really gave you a great education at a young age and yeah. helping you understand that. Uh, and knowing that, look, man, it's not just all, you know, happy, happy, you know, joy, joy out there. There are people that are bent on doing you harm. There are people that are bent on stealing because they don't want to get a real job. They're interested in doing the least amount of effort for the greatest amount of gain. And they don't care how they're going to do that, whether it's financially or physically or sexually, right? They, they don't want to put any more time in than they need to, to get what they want. And, and getting that awareness and that 
education component out to the masses is something that, um, yeah, I could see why you, you became so passionate about it because not one, but two, you know, incidents at a young age really showed you that, hey, man, there, there's some things out there that I need to, to be aware of and know about. So that's, and that set you on this, this unbelievable path. And now you're changing a lot of lives because of the ability to, to educate. And so the, um, I'm going to pull this up while I'm talking about it. It's people that are walk, watching this uh, YouTube. When they do this, we'll be able to, uh, to see it. But the others that are listening won't be able to. However, um, I do just have your, your website pulled up here. And um, basically, the a smart, safer, and secure me uh, protect you and your company engaging in interactive security awareness training. And so you've got you know, all these different things that you do from keynotes to corporate training and, and workshops and seminars. And then there's this uh, SAFE certification, which uh, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, so what exactly is this SAFE certification? Certify your people and share in revenue. Sure. So uh, we've actually, uh, and I appreciate that up, by the way, we've actually rebranded the SAFE certification. SAFE is uh, secure uh, agent for everyone. So for real estate agents or secure attorney for everyone, we've actually branded that to the CSI certification, which is Cyber Social Identity and Personal Protection. So the rebranding of that occurred um, about six or so months ago. Uh, place, uh, you know, understood cyber, social, identity, and personal protection more than just the safe cert. Anyways, what that is, is we will go into basically any business, any industry. We work a lot in the real estate industry, a lot in the finance industry. You know, as you know, right now, um, manufacturing and automotive and construction are really, are really high on hackers' radar right now right. due to the fact that they all those industries wire a lot of money. And so what we'll do is, is we'll uh, present at one of the industry conferences uh, at a company, and we will certify those on the inside of the organization on cyber, social, and personal protection on essentially what it is that they need to make sure that the data in which they are entrusted with, whether it's theirs, their families, their clients' information, of course, that we, we educate them on the fundamentals, a lot of the stuff that both you and I talk to, you know, knowing that, you know, it begins with you as an individual. Like if you don't have a credit freeze, if you don't uh, know what to look for in regards to a phishing email. Uh, if you are not engaged in things like identity theft protection and or credit monitoring, right? If, you, if you're not paying for antivirus, like if you have just free antivirus, you don't have a full suite of, of protection. You're just you know, hoping that everything is going to be uh, updated properly. If you're not updating your operating system and all of your various software, if you're not using a VPN when you're on free Wi-Fi, all the basic stuff, and of course, that's cyber, and, and and social is online reputation management, right? You know, it, it, Which it's is huge it's, today. It's huge. I mean, it's one thing to post that you are, you know, having ice cream with the family, but it's another thing to say you're in Acapulco and you've got your toes dug in the sand and you're having a margarita and you're, you know, a thousand miles from your house and you're opening your home up to burglars. And it's a whole nother thing when you are, you know, uh, uh, talking bad about the current administration. You know, you're dropping F-bombs. You're saying bad things about, you know, your, your, you know the, the, the general public or wherever you're swearing. That, that, that's reputation. And that can damage you and your business and your family. Uh, or if your kids are talking about stuff like that or they're posting that they're going to, you know, drop a bomb at school and this and that. Like, there's all these things that people are just saying and 
online that are so inappropriate, but are also putting their family and their businesses at risk. So cyber social identity and personal protection, obviously, you know, uh, violence and theft prevention, both in the physical and virtual world. So our certification usually is about a five or six hour full day course where we certify everybody. We give them everything that they need to know in the physical and virtual worlds to make sure that going forward, they know, you know, how to protect themselves and how to protect the businesses in which, you know, whether they are uh, the, the CEO or company officer, uh, a frontline employee. So it, it's a today that uh, people have this basic training that you and I provide and if they're not getting that if they're not getting just the basics they're just keeping their they're just crossing their fingers and hope doesn't happen to them or they're functioning in a state of denial and we open their eyes up to what's going on out there and, and we provide them perspective and say listen the chance of something bad happening to you is slim but there's a chance and here are all the different things to do about it and we go in every year and we give them a quick online test to make sure have been paying attention that they are alert they know what their options are and uh, you know we make them part of our team so to speak right so that uh, they can communicate the same information that people like you and I are communicating to others because yeah, you have these uh, these e-learning uh, courses as well um, on the site here you have a, a cyber wellness and information security which is all about you know data theft prevention and some things that, that people don't even realize is you know, they all talk about phishing attacks. Well, what about the phone call that precedes that, right? Where yeah. you get a phone call from somebody who's done their due diligence and they've looked at the company website and you've got your board of directors all listed on there and they call up the secretary and they say, hey, you know, Joe uh, from the board just uh, asked me to, you know, we're working on this big project together and um, he needs some information right away. I'm going to send you an email. Can you please, you know, provide what I'm going to, uh, request as soon as possible, right? Yeah. So now the person's thinking, oh, okay, they're dropping names, a person on the board, they must know what they're talking about. Five minutes later, they get an email from the, the criminal that's asking for whatever. It could be company financials, could yep. be something, right? And the person thinks really nothing of it unless they've been trained, they've taken a course, or they've learned that, hey, there are more than one way that these criminals can get in there, and they don't have to use strictly high-tech electronic means. They can use that combination of, you know, a phone call with an email and some other methods in order to, to perpetrate, you know, crimes. And so it's something that has to be understood. And all, I mean, you know, we can't think of everything because the criminals are always, you know, trying to outsmart the security people, right? And our job is to keep figuring out ways to protect others from, whatever the latest, uh, you know, threat is, right? Fishing, spear phishing. It's like every time you turn around is a new term, right? Um, but this is great because there's all these different uh, classes and courses, you know, identity theft obviously is a huge one. We were just talking about social media security and, uh, you know, your online reputation management. And then here we go, right? Cyber scams, how to protect yourself from your business because, you know, what, what are the different things that you have to look for? And of course, I love it, the physical uh, self-defense side of it. So very good, very comprehensive, and a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff here. So you recommend? Um, so these are courses that kind of supplement your speaking. So after somebody says, you know, hey, what's the next step? You can say, well, go, you know, have your people sign up for my courses, right? Yeah. So we we provide you know the 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 online on the on the on site and online training. So you know, obviously today, uh, people are consuming media in a number of different ways. I always suggest that. Uh, if I'm going to, if anyone's going to engage in, in, in philosophies, you know, all the stuff that you and I speak to that, 
You want to have me live. You know, we, we need to flesh this thing out. We need to squash all the various cultural myths that people have developed or, you know, have consumed over the course of their lives. And it's always good to have a, an expert, you know, again, people like you and I that understand how this stuff works in and out. And you can, and the, and the audience can ask all the questions, you know, get it all off their chest uh, so that they really understand what's going on and they get a, a real live in-person perspective. And then, from there, I always think it's important that you continue your education like anything else. You know, you want to be good at something. You want to, you know, stay invested in it. And so I, I'm really proud of my course. There's about eight to ten hours there that you could consume over the course of a year. And each course is like one to two hours. And then from there, we also offer fishing simulation training. So our, our organization will come in. We'll, grab, we'll work with your IT people. We'll get all the email addresses of all your employees and we'll, we'll, we will fish them over the course of a year, you know, once every month or two. And then if, in fact, somebody clicks the link in the body of the email, we follow up that, that, that breach, so to speak, with education to make sure that they know what to do next time. You know, you don't, you don't embarrass anybody. You know, you just let them know subtly, okay, yeah, you know what you did here? Like, just so you're aware, next time around, instead of clicking the link, pick up the phone and call somebody. Because like you said, spear phishing, they pick up the phone, they send off an email. Most fraud today that is highly successful, that, that ends up in big dollars, the bad guys are doing all kinds of reconnaissance. They, they're gathering intelligence. They're going to your Facebook page. They're going to your LinkedIn page. They're, they're looking at your website. They're finding out who's an accounting, who's a, who's a company officer, who's an right. HR. And they gather as much intelligence as they possibly can. They'll even create a LinkedIn profile based on the company that you are actually an employee of. And they'll connect with you. And they'll, find, and they'll create a, a LinkedIn or a Facebook group about that company. And before you know it, you know, we, you know that we do business with those who we know, who we like, and who we trust. And so if somebody is just like you, if they're a, com if they're a fellow employee, well, you may not necessarily know them. You, you, you don't have any reason not to like them, but you've got to trust them if they're a coworker, right? And so bad guys know this, and that's how they make big dollars. And once you understand human hacking and social engineering and how bad guys go about getting, gathering and getting all this information and how we are making it so easy for them, you begin to understand what to look for. Every time the phone rings and every time an email comes in, you don't become paranoid because, you know, that's unnecessary or, or you know, unproductive, but no, you become prepared. aware. Yeah, you're prepared. aware, right? Yeah. And, and so, and, and I, I'm at the point where every single time the phone rings and every single time an email comes in, I'm skeptical, but I have a keen eye for what's okay and what's not okay much quicker than the average public. Most of us, you know, they are basically sitting ducks. And as P.T. Barnum once said that, you know, there's a sucker born every minute, right? I, I'm going to take it a step further. It, it, I think there's a sucker in every single one of us. Like, I think everybody can, including me, right? Sure. And, it just and has to be the you, right thing, right? At the right time for you to go, ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> next thing yeah. you know, you click it. Yeah, like if, if I get an email, or a phone call from somebody posing as my daughter. Like if I get an email that looks like it's coming from my daughter, and let's just say my daughter's email gets hacked, and it's coming from her email address, Daddy, I'm in a situation, trouble, I need help. Like I'm automatically going to believe that that's coming from my daughter because it's my daughter. Like as soon as my daughter says, I am in trouble, Daddy, I'm going to get emotional, I'm going to react, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be in a, like, in a bit of a panic mode. But the smart person, instead of reacting and responding, 
would pick up the phone and make a call you know, to my daughter, to my wife, like to find out if in fact is my daughter in a situation or did her email get hacked. It's mm. a matter of stepping it back and not immediately responding and reacting and becoming emotional. Bad guys know if they truth just a little bit, they get you. Yeah, that, uh, that emotional knee-jerk reaction is what a lot of them depend on because yeah. they know that they, once they involve you emotionally, you stop thinking rationally, right? Like in your, your example, you know, if you think there's a problem with your child or your daughter, it's like, oh my God, what's going on? And you immediately want to, want to react and see and make sure everything's okay. Your, your first reaction is not, is it a scam? No, it's your kid asking for help, right? It's that emotional sort of plea. And the same thing happens in business. It's, it happens all over the place and social media is huge and people put so much information out. Like you said, it's easy for them to pick and choose different things out of your posts that they know are going to elicit that, that trigger, that emotional trigger that might cause you to act in a way that you normally wouldn't. Right. You know, you know, you and I, like we work to get the word out there, right? We have to convince people that they need this information and why, because people don't want to believe something's bad is going to happen until something bad happens. Like you probably already know that most home security systems are installed after a house is broken into. Right. Right. And because people react opposed to being proactive and it's all about being proactive, you know? And so we spent all of our energy and effort doing this and the bad guys do the exact same thing, but they're doing it nefariously. Like they are spending the same energy and effort to look for their victims, to convince them that to do, to, to socially engineer them, to, to, to con them, con, them right using gathered intelligence in order to um to click that link to provide that sensitive information over the phone uh they, they'll, they'll walk up to your home and they'll they'll jiggle the doorknob to see if in fact your your doors or they'll hit the doorbell first they do all their intelligence you and i work you know professionally right to prevent these things from happening and on the other end you know we're fighting evil the bad guys are, are, are trying to skirt all the different things that we talk about and unless consumers have a basic understanding a basic how this stuff works. It's just a matter of time to become a victim. So let's look at, uh, in terms of specifics. So in terms of identity theft, because that's a big one. And I think it's probably one that, in my opinion, is probably one of the, the most dangerous and also one of the most common threats that exists because people yeah. are looking for easy victims, right? I mean, identity theft, right. we're all online, our lives are digital. What are some of the, the best practices in your experience that you've come across that you recommend to people that they should do when securing their identity. I know you have, so, your, you have a book here and I'm sure, you know, you've got some great stuff in there, but uh, pick your brain a little bit on that. So as you know, you know, identity theft, uh, depending on what kind of identity you're talking about, depending on who's, you know, uh, uh, discussing, uh, who's marketing whatever product, identity theft can mean a lot of different things, right? Fundamentally, what I consider identity theft is what's called new account fraud. And new account fraud is when bad guys open up new lines of credit under your name, when they use your social security number as that marker, as that, that, that nine-digit identifier to open up new lines of credit under your name. And that's been around since the 30s, but it's really primarily been abused since the late 80s, right? So mm. uh, with your social security number, people can pose as you. They open up uh, credit cards, get loans, and so forth. So the best thing to do now to protect your identity from new account fraud, where you know, a bad guy 
social, they'll fill out an application for a loan, for a credit card, for a mobile phone account, online, in person, whatever, is to get a credit freeze. Like a credit freeze has been around since of 2008. It's been around for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I, I have had my credit frozen since February of 2008. And a credit freeze is free, right? It's been free since September of 2018. And you can freeze your credit right now at TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And the fourth credit bureau is called Innovis. And once your credit is frozen, the bad guy cannot open up new lines of credit under your name. Your credit like you have control now. And when you want to get a line of credit, when you want to apply for a loan, you, you go online and temporarily unfreeze your credit, which is easy enough to do. You have a dashboard, you know, you have an account at the four credit bureaus, you log in, you log out, you have control over when it's frozen and when it's thawed temporarily. A credit freeze will protect you from new account fraud. And then there's account takeover, right? Account takeover, a credit freeze won't protect you from. So account takeover might be like, your bank account, or your existing credit cards. You have to monitor your credit cards. You have to monitor the transactions on your credit card statements. Either every month you pay close attention to each charge, or the best way is by using push alerts or push notifications. So every single time you have a, a charge in your card or your bank account, right, you get a text message or an email. So every single time, my wife and I, we share all of our cards. Every single time she swipes the card, I get a text message, which I love, <laughs> yes. which I'm fine with. She can buy whatever she wants, you know, but... Like if I see a charge for, you know, um, $199 at Sally Beauty, right? I send my wife a text and say, hey, was that you? She's like, yes, it's me. Leave me alone. I'm busy. I <laughs> know it's her, which I'm fine with. I just want to know it was her. Sure. And we got a couple of notifications about a month and a half ago that there were two charges at Whole Foods. Now, I, they were small charges. They're only like $17 and $18, but it was at 7 o'clock in the morning. And she was already in the car with the kids on the way to school. And I said, I called her and said, listen, are you at Whole Foods? She's like, no. I'm like, did you buy anything online at Whole Foods? She's like, no. I go, when was the last time you were at Whole Foods? She's like, two months ago. I'm like, really? So I called American Express and told them. And they were like, well, this is fraud. So the charges off of our card. Now, I think, I'm pretty positive that if I did not get those push notifications and see those charges at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, that I don't know if I would have refuted those charges. You know, I don't even know right. if I would have asked my wife about it because we go to Whole Foods. But the fact that it was at 7 a.m. was odd to me. So those push notifications are great. That's another way to protect yourself from identity theft, account takeover. And of course, as you know, you gotta have a different password for all of your accounts. You can't have the same password twice. You know, password reuse is so bad these days. Because Probably the there worst. Have been probably the, the worst, worst thing people do. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable to me. And people are so lazy. And less than 10% of the general population actually has what's called a password manager. So I'm sure you have a password manager, right? Or do you? Do you have a password manager? I, I have used them. I typically keep all my passwords in a database on my computer. And when sure. I need to go to somewhere, I don't save any passwords online. Like in any website yeah. it says, do you want to save your password? I never do. I get into my contact management program. I pull up the vendor. Or I copy my paste my password out of it, or I retype it in, and I get in that way. Because I won't leave any of that stuff, you know, saved. It's too easy if somebody were to hack in right. and just start going places and logging in, right? right? Changing yeah. addresses, changing accounts, buying stuff, whatever. An encrypted Excel file like you have, or a password manager. I, and I know a lot of people are concerned about password management. 
the security of them and what if the password manager gets hacked. I'm not so worried about that because, you know, password manager companies are security companies. You know, they have military grade, bank level security. The likelihood of a password manager getting hacked where the data is in plain text and so forth is unlikely, you know. Um, the low hanging fruit really is, you know, people using the same password across multiple accounts. And with billions and billions of records being stolen, like at this point, we're like around 30 billion records stolen in the past 10 years. Like in the past five years, like 20 plus billion records stolen. And that means usernames, often email addresses, and their associated passwords are in the hands of criminals. Like the bad guys have your usernames and they have your passwords, all they've got to do is grab the data that's been stolen and just log into your accounts. And right. if you're using the same password across multiple accounts, they just use those credentials at the top you know, 500 critical websites using a process called credential stuffing. And credential stuffing is when they use automated software to log into all those critical accounts, known information, usernames and passwords that are out there, you know, stolen or wasted online. So... Protecting yourself from new account fraud, identity theft protection, credit freezes, account takeover, monitoring your statements, getting push notifications, and changing up your passwords, and of course, basic data security, you know, antivirus, anti-spyware, anti-phishing, a firewall, updating your software, and so forth. Those are the fundamentals. Not engaging in all, in all of those things puts you at a higher risk. You are the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, don't make yourself an easy target or an easy victim. You know, you got to change the passwords. I mean, I, yeah. I argue with clients because I have a lot of clients that they don't want to have long, complicated passwords. And I said, look, the, the secret is not necessarily that it's really complicated. The secret is you got to make it long. Once you get a, beyond 10 or 12 characters, it doesn't have to be as complicated. It can be easy to remember because most of the companies that are out there trying to hack accounts, if they know the password is greater than eight or 10 characters long, they're not even going to waste their time trying to crack it because the software would take too long. It's not viable from them from a time and a return standpoint. So I tell people, make them like at least 12 characters long. Pick a phrase, right? It doesn't have to be like, you know, F dollar sign percent P zero. You know, you don't have to do, go crazy with it, but you can make a phrase, you know, like, you know, if you if you like the beach, you could make your password some variation of "I love the beach," right? Without making it "I love the beach," you make it, yep. you know, uh, "Beach I love," and then maybe a year, and you put a couple of characters in between the words, right? So you can do things like that that make your passwords really long. You know, fifteen characters long, they're not going to get cracked. It, it would take too long. By the time that software gets out to about eight or nine or 10 characters, it's like, man, it's still going, forget it. Boop, and it's going to go to to the next one. Yeah, I'm going to take it up a level. I don't even know what my passwords are. Like, <laughs> I don't know my passwords. My password manager knows my passwords. Right. And my passwords are created by my password manager, which are often uppercase, lowercase numbers and characters. And they're usually anywhere from you know 12 to 18 characters. And the password manager automatically plugs them in. So. I don't know my mother's phone number. I don't know my dad's phone number. Like my dad's, if I pull up my phone, my dad's phone number is dad, you know? <laughs> right. Dad, right? Say my, my mother's phone number is mom. Like I don't need to remember phone numbers anymore. I don't need to remember passwords anymore. So between, you know, the mobile phone and the contact manager and the password manager remembering my passwords, you don't need to remember that stuff anymore. And uh, uppercase, lowercase numbers, characters, phrases, you know, with uppercase and lowercase, that's all great. But with the right tool, like you have, you know, copying and pasting, you don't need to know this stuff any longer. And right. people understand that, 
that they don't have to even be burdened by creating a password. I think the easier you make security for people, that the more apt they are to adopt it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, again, password manager copying and pasting with secure passwords, like that really, you have to make things as easy as possible for the consumer. Are they just going to run the opposite direction? People have given up on passwords. I have access to a tool that will tell me how many people are using one, two, three, four, five, six as a password. There's like 25 million people out there using one, two, three, four, five, six as a password. It's just ridiculous ridiculous to me. Yeah, that's scary. And you know, and, and that's where the hackers and the bad guys, they salivate. They go, they sweet, I'm going to get yeah. into X number of accounts today, you know, and then they can parse through them and figure out which ones are worth going in and stealing the, you know, they have the decent bank account balances, right? Exactly. Yep. It's, uh, you're right, though. The, the simpler we make the technology behind safety and security, the more prone people are going to be to use it and the better secured they're going to be. I, uh, I was at the, uh, the ISC West and ISC East security conferences this year. ISC East was just in November in New York and uh, ISC West was last April in, in Vegas. And I'll tell you, the changes and the advances in the safety and security industry with regard to technology are mind-blowing. Because so much stuff is becoming integrated. All of these systems now are talking together. And that's one of the big goals of the industry is how do we work together? How do we make things simple? How do we secure it? But how do we make it so that people don't have to have like, you know, eight different dashboards, you know, one for their access control and one for their video and one for this and one, you know, and they have all of these different systems. When they become integrated, now you've got one main sort of uh, interface that you can use to manage that stuff. And so it goes from the individual keeping things as simple as possible so that they're going to use the appropriate level of security, uh, you know, for their situation, all the way up to the biggest corporation and how they can secure themselves utilizing the technology that's available and doing it in a way also that they don't have to spend hours and hours and hours learning how something works or worse yet, figuring out multiple systems. And now you're bouncing from one to another to another. What are you going to do? You're going to get lazy. You're not going to do your due diligence. You're right. not going to utilize the technology the way it's designed. You're going to find shortcuts because it's going to be cumbersome. And, and so it, it starts to fall apart. So I think what you said, Robert, about the simplicity of it is really, that really is key and keeping it simple so that it gets used and people are, are kept secure. Yes, yeah, fatigue is a real thing. It's a real problem. And, uh, you know, for, for, for security managers and employees alike. And so if you, you know, teach people, make them aware of security on, the, on fundamental levels and you don't instill any fear and provide them with, you know, security appreciation training where they begin to appreciate the value in which security provides in both their personal and professional lives, you, you, you make them much more, uh, you know, uh, understanding and, uh, you know, where they will engage uh, more comfortably and not be in fear of it or paranoid, which is useless. Right. And, and, and as we discussed, it's, you're not paranoid when you're prepared. You're, you're, it's yeah. the exact opposite. You are confident. You are, informed, you are aware, 
and you don't you don't fear things because you know you've taken the appropriate measures you know those measures are in place you know they're set up correctly they're configured correctly you understand them and you use them and that's the that's the name of the game because we have to do everything that we can to outsmart the bad guys and to make their job hard don't make their job easy for them like a 123456 password right you've got to make it so that you've got to really I think approach it as if your life depends on it because in many cases it does, right? It, it may not be necessarily that you're going to die, but if your identity is stolen, somebody is going to screw up your life probably for the foreseeable future, maybe not forever, but for a heck of a long time because you, if you've talked to people that have had their identity stolen, and I'm sure you have as have I, it's a nightmare, they work at it for years trying to get things resolved. And sometimes things are never resolved. It's, it's very, very disheartening and, and sad to see that happen to someone. Yeah. So if anybody is, you know, all those that are, um, you know, uh, uh, listening, watching, that if you don't have a, at a minimum, a credit freeze, right, within 72 hours of consuming this uh, show, then you're just functioning in a state of denial. You just don't think it can happen to me. Like that is, it is not okay to be lazy in this regard. Uh, it, it, identity theft today is inevitable. And I, I saw a statistic very recently. Talk InfoSec and uh, Forrester had interviewed, you know, several hundred companies, and 63% of IT managers uh, believed that within the next year that their businesses were going to be hacked. Right. And, and, and I thought about that and how scary that was. And what I didn't like about it is that, you know, 63% were already accepting the fact that they were going to be victims of some type of a hack. And if you sat back and, and 63 out of 100 people say, well, I think that my home is going to be broken into in the next year. I'd be out of my mind. Like I would like I would do anything and everything I could to make sure that that didn't happen to me. Uh, right. if, 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 if 63 people out of 100 thought that my identity is going to be stolen the next year, I would be doing something about it. You know, the fact that many people have just resigned to be victimized is, is just crazy to me. But, you know, because of security fatigue and because, you know, there, there's just so much fraud out there, people have just thrown their hands up in the air and given up. And that is not OK. Our critical infrastructures depend upon consumers in small businesses and corporations and governments doing their part. Look, if the grid goes down for a week, right, we will not know what to do as a, as a culture, as a society. If there's no food, if there's no, if there's no gas, if there's no, if there's no electricity, that means there's no gas. If there's no gas, there's no water. If there's no, no electricity, there's no food. So, you know, we have to, engage. We have to know our options. We have to be informed. Not being so is, is not taking responsibility for your place in our culture or in our society. No, absolutely. And it's, we live in a very fragile society because yeah. of our dependence on technology. And if that technology ceases to function in the way it was designed for any extended period of time, there is going to be a major, major problem anywhere yeah. that occurs. And if it happens in this country, as we all know, I mean, you and I both know, many other people do, the infrastructure that runs basically this country in terms of the electrical grid, 
of which, you know, all of our financial transactions, everything, right? Your everything. money is not in your, in your house in a box. It's in a numbers in a bank account online. And when you're doing all Ones these, and zeros. It's yeah, code. It's ones and zeros. And when these transactions all take place online, they have to do so with electricity. If electricity prevents you now because it's not working, you can't go to an ATM and withdraw cash. You can't pump like you can't pump gas out of the ground. You can't do all the things that you're that you're used to doing. It falls apart. And so on a on a smaller level, that individual and we kind of started with this. We, we've kind of come full circle. Is the individual responsibility of each person to do as much as they can to protect not only themselves but the people around them, the companies they work for the other people that they interact with and even the institutions they interact with, you know, whether it's a financial institution or investing or utilities or what have you, it's our responsibility to make sure that we are doing as much as humanly possible to secure ourselves, our systems, our computers, our identities, our physical being from any sort of threat. And to do that, we make the whole more secure. Yes. And that is really what I think a lot of people have to understand that don't think what am I, what is, is my little you know, attempts doing to secure things. Well, your attempt and my attempt and their attempt and everybody's attempt all elevates everyone's level of security and safety. Yeah, you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. It's one or the other. Right. Yep. Exactly. So I, uh, yeah, we, we cranked through that hour there, Robert. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, the, uh, if people are interested in learning more about you, uh, our listeners can go to your, your website. I, I mentioned earlier, safer.me, S-A-F-R.me. You've got information on, uh, you know, different education and services and information about you and where you've been in the media, including here. <laughs> uh, and, um, uh, you can learn uh, about you. You're also social media, right? Uh, Facebook and Twitter. They can just search for your name. Yeah, just Google me. I'm all over the place. Robert Siciliano. I, you know, I own the first. There's only like five or six of us, and I own the first page of search and pretty there much the first second, second couple of pages of search. And I do a lot of news media, about TV, maybe 10, 12, 14 times a year at this point. And I'm, I'm talking to journalists at least, uh, you know, once or twice a week. And so – uh, you know, Google me, you'll find me. Feel free to touch base anytime. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. That's awesome. Do you have any last thoughts for our audience before I let you go? Yeah, you know, th- th- this is great. I love what you're doing here. You know, the, the, the more people consume this type of information, the more aware they become. Uh, you know, being proactive, like you, you either uh, 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 fail to plan or plan to fail, right? Yep. Uh, or you, 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 you either, you know, fail to plan or you plan to pay. Right. So at this point, you're, you're, you're going to pay if you don't plan. And uh, that means paying with your time and uh, your money uh, and, and even with your with your life uh, if you're not putting systems in place. Yeah. So you have to prepare before you have a need for that. Uh, as I said before, you know, the time to prepare is before the need arises. It has to be in every aspect of your life and where you are both in the digital world and the physical world, yep. educate yourself, look up Robert, see what he can do for you as an individual and for your business. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on today. So uh, thanks again. And uh, until Thank next you, time, everybody, uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Listen in uh, for other episodes. You can always visit safetytalkpodcast.com or look us up on 
YouTube. All of our links are on our website. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.